0: You know, you saw my subject title, so you need, you need to show up tonight to see uh, how much I stuck my foot in my mouth, correct? That's, that's always worth coming to church uh, for that idea. When I was growing up, young people, the world was different, and it wasn't that long ago. And I know you hate hearing old people say that. But kids were supposed to be, kids and young people were supposed to be seen but not heard and not even seen much. I can remember going to my grandparents, and when we would eat, all the adults went through first, and the the kids, and kids was 18 and under, had to wait. And then we went through after everybody else, and we got the worst seats in the house, and we got what was left over. Somewhere, by the time I became an adult, that completely switched. Now the young people all go first, and us old people stand around and wait for them, and I missed both of the the wonderful things <laughs> of that. But, but young people, kids were to be heard, or not heard, certainly, and not seen very much. You know, in the world, in societies, even in societies today, that's true about women in some places. Did you know that? That Women are to be uh, not seen and not heard very much. Well, tonight in 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to look at a passage that I'm thankful this is not voting on the, the uh, budget night on raises and all that. But it's a very interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 14. You know, the, the great thing about preaching through books of the Bible is you cover everything. The horrible thing about preaching through bu- books in the Bible is you can't avoid anything. You know what I'm saying? Y'all are really not with me much tonight. Wake up, okay? You're going to be with me in just a second, I promise you. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, the end of the chapter, starting verse 34, talks about women being silent in the church, okay? Now you with me, ladies? Now, this is a very, very, very misunderstood passage, in my opinion. And so the first thing we need to understand, this applies to the passage tonight, but it applies that every time you open your Bible. Context is crucial, okay? Context is always vital. In verse 34 and 35, listen to what it says. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Okay? Some people say that the Bible says what it says and means what it says. Then then we can say the the invitation prayer and go home at this point. Some people say here that you just throw this out. This was for Corinth. This was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't apply to us today. Remember what I said. Context is always vital as you understand the Scriptures. Context is always vital in every part of life. I want you to see an old commercial, Super Bowl commercial, from a couple of years back that context is everything to understanding this commercial. Thank you. We got to get go down. Come on. AmeriQuest Mortgage, proud sponsor of the NFL. How many of you agree if you're that dude holding the knife, context is crucial, right? Context is crucial when you understand the Bible. Folks, always remember... When you read a verse, a verse has a context of the section of Scripture that it's, it's in right there. It has, a section, it has a context in the book that it's written in. It has a context in the Testament that it is written in. And it has a context in the greater uh, 66 books of the Bible. Context is vital. What was going on here in Corinth? What was the context? Okay, in this, in this place... This time, 2,000 years ago, women had little place in the world. The Greek people, the the women who had children, stayed at home and raised the children. The men, a lot of times, had a mistress on the side. The women who were out and about and who were verbal in society were either destitute and beggars or they were prostitutes. So in the Greek culture, Corinth was a Greek city, women had little place and, and they, they basically it would stay out of sight, out of mind, out of hearing, all that. Now, what is also interesting, in the Jewish world, that the women had little standing also. Do you know what the Pharisee was? The Pharisee is the Green Beret of religious people in Jesus' time. They were the, the Nazis. They were the, uh, the, the ones that followed the law, the law, the law, the law. There was a group of Pharisees actually called the bloody and bruised Pharisee because they would not speak to a woman in public. In fact, they would not only not speak to a woman in public, they would not look at a woman in public. So if they're walking down the, the street and they see... Here comes Janelle. They closed their eyes. Therefore, they get the name bloody and bruised because they would often walk into trees or to walls and bust up their face and their eyes. They looked at women as even beneath them talking to in a public setting. In the synagogue, which is the Jewish version of our local church, the men and the women did not sit together, and a woman was never going to be allowed to speak or to say anything. In the synagogue... And if you know anything about the temple area, the temple area had several different sections and that that the ladies and Gentiles could go into one section, but the farther you went into the temple, it became a boys' club. The Jewish men and then the priests, and then once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. So Christianity comes on the scene, and sometimes you read your Bible and you go, boy, this is really limiting women. Actually, Christianity blew the lid off of... The suppression that women were having. All of a sudden, in worship, in Christian worship, you had slaves and you had wealthy people, you had people of different nationalities and different colors, and you had men and women all sitting together as one big happy family. Isn't that great? And that was a neat thing. It was a neat thing. Christianity was a liberator of women and of people who were not uh, given the, the right place in society that the, even the Jewish culture held back. The Bible clearly said that women are gifted too, just like men when we talk about spiritual gifts. It wasn't just the men Christians who got the gifts. It was women too. But here's what was happening in Corinth. And you have to stay with me tonight. I hope you always do, but you've got to stay with me tonight. In Corinth, part of a, a problem group was a segment of the women. We're not even told it was all the women, but it was some of the women. In verse 34, look again. It says, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak but be in submission, as the law says. Verse 34, the Greek word there, speak, is very important. It literally means to to talk without making much sense. Have you ever known anybody that does that? Women, listen to me, women, have you ever known a man who talks and doesn't make much sense? Come on, see, the women here got a lot more courage than the men do. You guys really let me down in the second service today. Thank you, honey, for that strong endorsement. (laughs) You needed to be sitting farther back tonight anyway. That word speak there is not speaking with clear, intelligent, thought-through thoughts. It's random talking or it's chattering. It's It's just talking to talk. Here's what was going on in Corinth. This is very, very important, the context. You had a group of women who were chattering during the service... They're talking it up. They're speaking in tongues. They're just standing up in the middle of service and speaking in tongues, interrupting people. They're interrupting the speaker. They're asking questions of the speaker. What do you mean by that? What, what were you talking about there? They apparently were even questioning what was being said. Pastor, that isn't right. Why are you saying? During, during the middle of why while, someone was talking. How many of you know who John Wesley was? John Wesley is considered the father of the Methodist church. He was a tremendous preacher and writer. John Wesley did not have a good marriage. And John Wesley was a little man, and his wife was a big woman. I don't know, she may have roughed him up even at home. But John Wesley, it said, would be preaching, and in the middle of his sermon, let's say Justin's preaching, and this is Justin and Melissa, not that she's a big, rough woman, but that Melissa would stand up in the middle of the sermon and say, you don't do that at home, Justin. You don't practice that at home. That's fairly disruptive, isn't it, Justin? That causes some problems, not only here, but I'm sure it would later for the Wesley family. Folks, the bottom line is what was happening in Corinth while they're being pinpointed is the women, a group of women at least, were being disrupted. Okay? Now, women, I'm going to give you a break here. And young people, I want to tell you, I think for the most part, you guys are tremendously well-behaved. I really do. Part of that is because I normally look over your head, so I don't know what's going on a lot of times right here. But I'm trying to do better. But you really are. And it's so good you sit here instead of the corner of the balcony. When I was in school, we sat in the corner of the balcony. I don't know why the adults were so dumb to let us do that. Maybe they out of sight and out of mind was what they were thinking. But I promise you, you are not out of the preacher's sight when you're in the balcony. You know who disrupted the services when I was growing up? It was the youth. We didn't have ladies in my church chattering, standing up, arguing with the pastor in the middle of the sermon. We had young people like me who wrote notes, who made noise, who chattered, who talked, who deacons and older men, and one time even my father got up and about pulled my head off at the back of the church. And I deserved it. That's what was going on in Corinth. It wasn't the young people. Probably in this day and age, they, the young people weren't going to do that in church would have been my guess. A group of women were disturbing the worship services, what was going on. Let me give you a quick review. We're going to review it again later. Remember what we talked about last Sunday night. What we do in this one hour is, is eternally important We're trying to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We're trying to help you Christians get stronger and get closer to God. And we're trying to help people that walk in this building lost leave on their way to heaven. Nothing's more important than that, is it? That's what we're trying to do. And what was going on in Corinth was not a male chauvinist pig named Paul riding to, uh, to belittle women, but they were having a problem with a group of women who were being disruptive in the services. Folks, let me tell you, any time you or I, whether it's by our attitude or our actions, if, if we are hurting the environment and quenching the Spirit of God, we ought to be spanked. Paul's doing some spanking right here, not literally, but verbally, okay? Now, what are the principles here tonight for you and me? Principles are timeless things. Principles never change. And I want to tell you, this is not an easy passage. Have you already understood that? This is not an easy passage. It's funny, some Bible commentators who are cowards when they come to passages like this, they say, love Jesus and share your faith and amen, wasn't that good? Yeah, that's really helpful, isn't it? Verse 36 through 38 are helpful here. Did the word of God originate with you? Are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritually gift, let him acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores it, he himself will be ignored. Now, folks, this is very important. I, I read this week on Facebook. Facebook has some of the good, best things, some of the dumbest things. Day in and day out, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. And this person was arguing for homosexuality. And one of their arguments was... Well, Paul was against it, but that was just Paul's opinion. Folks, there's 13 books in the New Testament that have Paul's name on them. That's the Word of God. What Paul is saying right here is you have a problem with what's being said. Now, understanding what's being said is very important. But he's saying, listen, don't, don't look at your Bible and say, oh, priest to the believer. I don't, just don't believe that. Don't say, well, we'll form a committee and we'll discuss how we understand that scripture. What was happening in Corinth is there was an arrogance that said, you know what, if Paul wants to say that, good, but we don't care. We're going to do what we want to do. And Paul said, look, I don't understand it any more than you understand it, but I'm speaking the word of God to you on this issue. You get that? This is the Lord's commands, what he's saying here. Timeless principles. Timeless principles. Folks, I looked at 24 different commentaries this week. I, I promise you, every sermon I preach to you may be terrible, but it's well-prepared. I promise you that. And I looked at 24 different commentaries trying to come to some easy answers to these hard questions tonight. Here's what I found out. Half of the 24 said, oh, this means that women better never say a word in church. The other 24 or the other 12 said... Oh, that was just Corinth. It doesn't apply today. (laughs) They weren't very helpful. And I'm telling you that to say is you can look at a lot of different places and get a lot of different opinions. Let's try to see what the Word of God is saying here tonight. Let me tell you a couple of things people are saying. Again, one of them was this is just for Corinth. It doesn't apply to us. Some people say it applies to us, letter the law, that women be silent, be sweet, and let the man do the talking. Some very conservative commentaries say, this is just talking about tongues. That women weren't supposed to speak out in tongues in our churches. You know what? That'd be an easy out for me because we don't have that problem here, do we? We may have it next week, but we haven't had this before, before this, to this point. Very important is this passage saying a woman should never pray in church because we have women pray in our churches, our services here. Is this saying a woman should never speak? Should I never let a woman come and share her testimony? Go back to chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. Be on the screen. It says, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Now, we preached on this a few weeks ago. You've forgotten it, I'm sure, but we did. And look what it says in this verse. But every woman who prays or prophesies... With her head uncovers, dishonors her head. And it is the same as having her head shaved. We're not going to get into all that again, but here's what I want you to see. There's no contradiction here. When he says that a woman should be silent in church, but then three chapters back, this is talking about a church service. This is not talking about your quiet time at home, okay? Okay. And he's talking about women praying in the church. Prophesying doesn't necessarily mean they were preaching. It means that they were sharing a word from God. So I don't think you can use this passage to say that a woman should never pray or speak in church. You following me? You may not have to agree with me, but are you following me? I hope so. I hope so. So what are the principles? I want to give you two clear, I think two clear principles here. One, I believe this passage is teaching men are to be the spiritual leaders in the church and the home. Not the dictators, not the rulers, but the spiritual leaders. Verse 34 and 35 again, women should remain silent. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. Submission there, no doubt, I believe, is talking about husband and wife because of this next thing. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Now, that word speak in verse 35 is the same word speak in verse 34, which means to, to blurt out. It means to, to chatter. It means mindless talking. It doesn't mean intelligent speaking or praying, okay? Big difference, right? Big, big difference, okay? What about a lady who is not married, a single mom, a single lady, got kids? She's got to be the spiritual leader for her home. The sad news is is that some ladies are married to men who are spiritual slugs, who are either lost or who aren't going to pick up the ball and run with it. And the mom has to step up and be the spiritual leader. I have talked to missionaries who have told me when they've got on the mission field, a lot of times their first converts are women. They develop a church. It's, it's 98% women and children. And, and their teachers and speakers have to be, guess what? Have to be them and women. And they've told me when, when they can get men who will step up and lead, they put them in the pastoral preaching positions. But they have to find men who are willing to what? Willing to lead. Now, What does it mean for men to lead? It means for men to step up and be who God's called them to be. Not a bully, not a dictator. And I want to tell you, I think we're having a bigger problem with that more and more in our country. In the last 10 years, in the last 10 years in America, the number of, of women senior pastors, not women ministers, women senior pastors, has doubled in our country. Well, folks, if you on the Internet are... If, if you know of a church with a woman senior pastor, I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying I don't think that is God's best way of doing things. But the reason that's happening in part is because the men aren't stepping up and being who God has called them to be. This isn't about power. It's, it's about roles. Are you following me? Not about power. It's about roles. Certainly women women have got to make a decision that they are going to let the man lead in the home and the church. They have to. Folks, I, you can make somebody a five-star general, and you can call them the boss. But dadgummit, if you're not going to follow them, they're not the leader. And unless they can fire you or put you in jail for not following them, it's awful tough, isn't it? Your husband is going to have a hard time being the spiritual leader, young ladies and everybody else, if you won't let him lead. I'm gonna jump on your husband's heart in a moment. I promise, ladies. So stay with me. We can't lead in the church if you won't let us lead. You can call Billy Graham to be your pastor. You can have you can have all your deacons or the top Christian writers in the world, Henry Blackaby and all those guys, and Wayne Wynn get Mercy Me to lead worship. We can. But if we won't follow them, they can't be our leaders. In the Christian world, a whole lot of having a leader is some having people who are willing to follow. The leaders. Ladies, you got to be willing to follow at home in church. Now, men, I don't blame them half the time because we haven't been worth following. And I don't think you sit back and go, well, I'll follow this person because I think they're worthy. I won't follow this because I don't. No, but it's difficult to follow somebody you think is going to lead you over the cliff. Men, what is the first word for leadership? Most people think it's power. Most people think it's authority. Let me tell you what the first word you write notes down. It's responsibility. First word of leadership means that you're willing to say I'm responsible for what's going on. Yes, there needs to be authority with responsibility because you give somebody responsibility and you're going to blame them and not give them any authority, that's not fair. But men, if we're not willing to take responsibility, we're not leaders at all. We're just people wanting to be in charge. Men, let's be men of prayer. Let's be men in the Word of God. Let's be men who are consistent in the church. Let's be men who love our wives and love kids and love people. And you know what? We'll be amazed how much people are willing to follow us when we're that kind of person. You know, it says in here for the woman not to interrupt, not to blurt out in the middle of the sermon, What are you talking about, preacher? Or Cindy to say, Explain that Greek word again? Ask me when we get home. You know, the problem is a lot of men, we wouldn't have answers when we got home. We wouldn't know what to say, we don't know the Bible well enough. Leadership get your nose in the book, get on your knees know God deeper and better. Set the example and then you'll be, you and I'll be amazed how people will be willing to follow us. One of the principles in this passage is God saying is that he wants men to step up and to be the leaders in the church and the home. And ladies, he, he wants you to be willing to follow that. But here's the second very important thing this is saying. Effective orderly surfaces are crucial and we talked about this last Sunday night we're gonna hit on it again because this is this is the heartbeat of this verse 39 and 40 therefore my brothers be eager to prophesy prophesy can be preaching It can be sharing forth the Word of God do not forbid speaking in tongues now it's funny (laughs) some people who would be hard-nosed about the woman should never pray or speak in church Wonder how they deal with that don't forbid speaking in tongues. I know how they deal with it. We won't read that verse tonight. We will close at verse 38 and pray and go home. Let's let's, uh, let's do the whole thing if we're going to do the whole thing. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Orderly and fitting means it should be done proper. Write these down. We're not going to read them again. But remember three things. We meet At 8.30, at 11 and 6, not because we're Baptists and we're supposed to meet three times. We meet for three reasons, to lift up Jesus Christ. We want to leave here at 7 o'clock and Jesus is saying, amen. They brought glory to me. We meet, we're not going to look at it on the screen, but verse 3 says this. We meet to benefit, strengthen, and encourage Christians. Okay. We meet, verse 22 through 25, say this. We meet so that people who come into this place who are lost will be saved. Talked about this last Sunday night. Some Christians think that a church service is supposed to be a holy huddle just for the sanctified saints. That is wrong. This one chapter alone dispels that. A service is for three things. To glorify Christ, to strengthen believers... Sometimes to break believers and get them to repent, and so that lost people can come in and understand the Word of God and be saved. This could not happen in Corinth. Why was he telling the women they shouldn't speak? Speak did not mean pray, speak did not mean prophesy. Speak meant they shouldn't be chattering amongst themselves, they shouldn't be blurting out during the service. I disagree with that, preacher. Tell me at the door. Email me. Paul couldn't say that, but you think I'm boring. Paul preached so long one time, somebody fell out of the balcony and died. (laughs) Paul had the gift of healing. He went and touched them and healed them. They were okay. I don't. Don't go to sleep up there tonight and fall out, okay? If someone's standing up in the middle of the service speaking in tongues... Without an interpreter, you know what? That's going to disrupt what's going on, isn't it? And God was telling these ladies, listen, it's disgraceful what you're doing. It's disgraceful to be chattering, disruptive, asking questions, being argumentative in the middle of the service. But that applies to all of us. How would that have been any better for men to have been doing those same things? And what does that say to us? Let me tell you what it says to us. That we, and, and listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been your pastor almost 10 years. Maybe it's my fault. But, but I think this is true. 99% of the churches, I don't think we come ready to meet God most of the time. How do we have order in the service? Well, part of it, the ministers, we pray, we plan, we study, we get ready. But then we got to all come together, don't we? You can't chatter among yourselves. And God work in our midst. I don't get anything out of the sermon. Well, you're not going to if you're talking the whole time. Don't doodle. Don't Google. Don't text. I just got to get this message. No, you don't. Ten years ago, you did not have the ability to sit in a service and text, and we all survived, didn't we? Us old-timers. You will survive. I remember when I was a kid in church, my father had the ability to see you wherever you were. It It was incredible. It was a gift. And on the way home, he would often ask the dreaded question. We, the four kids, we'd be in that station wagon with the fake wood paneling, you know, going home, and he would go around the wagon asking, "Well, how was the sermon today?" He, he preached on sin, Daddy, and he was against it. <laughs> no, that wouldn't have worked. And I remember when, one one Sunday we're going home, and my oldest sister who was six years older than me. He asked her, "What were you doing during the sermon?" And she gave to me what I thought was the perfect answer. She said, I was reading my Bible. And he said, Candy, see me in my study, which meant you're in trouble when we get home. You're not supposed to be reading your Bible in the sermon. You're supposed to be listening to the sermon. You know, I understand that now. This is not the time for you to have your personal Bible study time. It's really not, if you're disagreeing with me, this isn't the time to be cross-referencing and checking everything. Write it down and do it when you get home. See, the thing in Corinth, the problem, the problem just happened to be that it was the women that were misbehaving. It wasn't women in general that God was kicking. He was saying anything young people medium or old people, male or female, that we do that causes confusion and disorder in a worship service, we need to stop it because it ought to be a God encounter when we come in here every time. You know, my life has been changed by worship services. I went to a service 30 years ago on a Sunday night as a lost person, and a message was preached that I could understand, and I was saved the next day because of that. And, and, and many of you can say that. And many times I've come into a service here or somewhere else, and I've heard a song, I've heard the Word of God spoken even by me or someone else, and I've left different. You see, that's what we come here for. He, he wasn't telling women they can't ever pray or speak in church, but he was saying if they're going to chatter and clamor and all that, cut it out. It's a disgrace because what we're doing is sacred. It's sacred. I want to ask you this evening, what's God saying to you tonight? I believe God's here. I believe he's speaking. Maybe tonight you need to give your life to Christ. You come and do that in a moment. We'll be down here waiting on you. Maybe you want to join the church. Christian, maybe tonight God has spoken to you, and, and maybe you need to repent of some attitude problems, some poor leadership from you, some poor fellowship from you. I don't know what God's saying, but I believe He's saying something to you. Let's stand, and as we sing, you come tonight, you respond to it.